At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Star Wars 7x7, episode 2778. Well, they threw pretty much everything, including the kitchen sink, at the finale for season one of The Book of Boba Fett. We'll talk about the highlights and the callbacks and the stingers and all that stuff. And we'll also touch on the Kenobi news as well. Punch it! Rebel Razor. I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. Alright, so briefly about the Kenobi thing, May 25th. That's the big day that was announced at the Disney Investor Call yesterday. May 25th will be the date that the Kenobi series debuts. We will be talking more about that in the coming days, but there you go. Now you got a date to look forward to. Okay, now let's talk about that finale for The Book of Boba Fett. And this is a full spoiler episode, so yes, strap yourselves in. If you haven't seen it already and you don't want it spoiled, you know what to do, but let's go. First thing I want to call your attention to is the irony of the opening of the episode. First of all, you've got a place known as the Sanctuary, and it becomes anything but after the bombing that happened at the end of episode six. And we see our main characters roaming around in the remains. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like anybody survived, but we don't have any official word on that whatsoever. So hope still springs eternal that Madame Garza and Max Rebo and other notable names from the Sanctuary have survived. But as I said, as we open, the Sanctuary is anything but first of all because of the bombing and second of all because of the fact that they're gonna get trapped in there just like the Mandalorian and company were trapped inside the bar in season one chapter eight of the Mandalorian and so at first it does seem like it's a similar setup like oh we're gonna do this again but no instead they decide to go out and fight and do something different which is an A plus decision we also found out just how wrong Boba Fett can be about some things. He thought the Trandoshans and the Katoonians and the Aqualish were going to stay out of things and that they had promised that. Ooh, yeah, they all went back on their word really quickly. And that made for a crazy chaotic, and I mean that in a good way, finale where you've got the mods against the Aqualish and the Clatoonians against the Gamorrean Guards. Our poor, late-lamented Gamorrean Guards. And the Trandoshans trying to take on Chrysanthemum, which was definitely the right setup for that, especially after Chrysanthemum had his arm-pulling way with one of the Trandoshans in the previous episode. To say nothing of the fact that Trandoshans and Wookiees really do not get along with each other at all for, you know, very good and obvious reasons with the Trandoshans hunting them the way that they do. Uh, yeah, be that as it may, it was very well set up on all fronts. So you got action from multiple quarters, which is a very Star Wars thing to do. I mean, if you think about 
the I think the height of this was probably the Phantom Menace, where the climax of that movie happens on four different fronts, right up in space and on the fields with the Gungans and with the Jedi fighting Darth Maul and with Padme leading the crew up to the throne room, right? Like all over the place. And this with the Book of Boba Fett delivered that same kind of crazy multiple front action. They also had a couple of successful follow-throughs, callbacks, if you will. One of them, of course, being the Rancor being brought into the fight near the end of the whole fray. A friend of mine actually described it as uh, Terminator versus Godzilla kind of situation, which is pretty accurate considering all the chaos that was wreaked upon Mos Espa. And just how far away from Jabba his palace is Moss Espa because it didn't take Boba Fett that long to get the rancor over there. So I wonder if he was just hanging out in the outskirts or something like that. And then the other callback being the whole situation with the Tusken Raiders and the Pikes revealing that, yes, they were indeed behind that whole situation and fooled Boba Fett into thinking that it was the Clatoonian biker gang when it really wasn't. And Cad Bane takes this information, of course, and uses it to try to get Boba Fett off his game. And so this is where we say thank goodness for Fennec Shand as far as Boba Fett goes because otherwise <laughs> Boba Fett would have probably lost that gun battle if he'd had it with Cad Bane right in that moment. And additionally, for her going to Moss Eisley and taking care of the entire leadership of this whole insurrection. And I'm saying insurrection on purpose because they're rebelling against Boba Fett's leadership, but also because of something that we've talked about previously on the podcast about that Clone Wars legacy story about Cad Bane and Boba Fett working a job where they end up ultimately on opposite sides and I guess Boba is trying to get other bounty hunters to go along with him against Cad Bane and when Cad squashes that whole situation he tells Boba that he's quashed his little insurrection that's how Cad Bane refers to it to Boba in that legacy animatic story situation so seems like it's a good thing to bring back around for our discussion here. Although from a storytelling perspective, I don't mind Fennec Shan taking out most of the leadership in this situation. It's the Pike leader in particular that I have a problem with because it feels like that's a situation where the story almost asks for Boba Fett to be able to deal with this himself. And he does not get the opportunity to do that. But Boba and Cad Bane do have a history together. It's just not in live action, right? It's in the cartoons and it's in Clone Wars Legacy stuff. So that's another reason why. Like, it just fits more with Boba and the Pike leader facing off because there was actually stuff that happened within this live action setting. That being said, the Cad Bane Boba Fett showdown is definitely very satisfying. And as opposed to the legacy one where they shot each other, this time Cad Bane gets Boba Fett. And I think that it ends up being perfectly appropriate that it's not with blasters that Boba Fett ultimately takes down Cad Bane. It's with the gaffy stick that he made when he was part of that Tusken Raider tribe, right? Especially considering that Cad Bane was the one to taunt Boba Fett with the whole Tusken Raider situation and his knowledge of it. So yes, definitely well executed, no pun intended, oh, with Boba Fett using that traditional Tusken Raider weapon to ultimately get the better of Cad Bane. 
and we're operating under the presumption that Cad Bane is actually dead at this point, as opposed to Cobb Vanth, who you get the idea that he has been killed. We didn't think he was killed, right? We were pretty sure that he was going to survive. And then when the Freetown folks showed up, they said they gunned down Cobb Vanth in the street. And so you thought, oh goodness, maybe he is dead. And then you get the stinger at the end with Cobb Vanth in Boba Fett's Bakta tank. And the modder is there, the guy who fixed up Fennec Shand and gave her a new lease on life. Well, he is at Jabba's palace and it looks like he's gonna be doing the same for Cobb Vanth as well. And we're gonna have more to say about Cobb Vanth in coming episodes, but I would be remiss if I didn't also flag the fact that Grogu made his choice and it was revealed in this episode that he is sticking with the Mandalorian and so R2 delivered him to Mos Eisley, which was of course very nice. I do wish there had been a moment where, you know, maybe Baby Yoda got shot and revealed that he was wearing the Beskar chainmail shirt instead of it just being seen like, oh, you're wearing the shirt, you know, like give it a little moment like that. But hey, that's okay. Still cute. And the moment where Grogu jumps into the Mandalorian's arms was just heartbreakingly beautiful. It was like, oh, oh, like, yeah, just warmed my heart. I'm still getting little (laughs) hair raised on the arms, chills from thinking about it. Yeah, it was really neat and wonderful. And that little bit at the end (laughs) about Krogu wanting to go super fast in the ship. Yeah, it's going to be cute. And, you know, we also have more stuff to talk about that. And talk about with that as well. So yes, deeper dives are forthcoming and overall reviews of how this season turned out and all that good stuff. That's what we're going to be doing over the course of the next few days. But this gives you the rundown on the big notes and the highlights of the finale of the Book of Boba Fett season one. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.